0: is taken from the book of psalms chapter 1 verses 1 through 6 blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. If you would, find your way in your copy of uh, God's Word to Psalm 1. I'd love for you to be able to see this with your own eyes. So you find your way to Psalm 1, and we will think about this together. And as you're turning, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, we come in your name. We have sung to you in your name. We have prayed in your name, and we have gathered together in your name. It is your name that we want to exalt. It is in your name that we have hope. And Lord, we ask that you would do all of the good things that you intend to do among your people this morning. Would you bless us, please, according to your word, as we have just read and we have considered Lord, I pray that your will would come to fruition in each of our lives. I ask you to not let the enemy have any foothold in our lives. Do not allow him or any of his fallen angels to distract us from what you would want to say to each of us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. Let each of us, Lord Jesus, hear from you this morning, I pray. And I desperately need your help. In order to do that, because I can do nothing in myself, and yet I know that with you all things are possible. And so we have our eyes fixed on you, and we ask you, Lord Jesus, to be gracious to you, to us. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. We have been spending some time this summer moving through uh, the Psalms and... Um, I have been away for about eight weeks on a sabbatical and have had uh, a wonderful group of guys to sort of stand in and, and preach while I was away. We had David Gonzalez and Steve and uh, Chris, uh, Andy, Andrew, um, Robin preached last week. I think I'm missing Alex and Ben along the way. So we had uh, several of, of us who have taken us through this uh, wonderful book of Psalms. And I thank uh, all of the brothers who have been preaching and leading us along the way. Uh, But this morning, I thought we would uh, turn back to the very first psalm and spend some time thinking about psalm number one. Now, this is a kind of beginning of uh, the whole book, and it leads us to a consideration of the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, and contrasting those two. And it invites us to consider a very simple question, which is, where are you? In, in what way are you walking today? Where's the direction of your life as you think about which way you're following? Because these two pathways are representing two different ways of living. So there is a way in which uh, the Lord blesses. There is a way in which the Lord curses. There is a way that the, the, this psalm says will prosper. And there is a way that this psalm says will perish. So there are two different ways of living, and we, we stand in a place of understanding uh, that there are both blessings and cursings in relation to the Lord. So we're going to see that today, and we have to think about those two aspects because we want to know which way the Lord blesses and, and ask and invite ourselves to consider, am I walking in this way? Am I actually living in in a way that the Lord will bless? So we don't want to miss that. It is very possible to pass over these six little verses and just, it's a very simple psalm, and yet the message is deep and it invites us to consider. So we're going to look at the way of the righteous and the way of the sinner. So we'll just jump right in. The very first word is blessed. Blessed is the man. Uh, I think the psalmist is, is trying to get your attention. And so I want to do the same. How many of you could use some blessing? Would you vote for some blessings in your life? Absolutely. He's, He's inviting us to seek the Lord for blessing because God is a God who blesses. And so, blessed is the man, he says, and man here simply refers to a person. This is a kind of wisdom psalm which speaks to the the person in general who seeks this way. So, it's not limited just to men, ladies. You're all included. So, whoever it is who would walk in this way that is blessed, that's the invitation. And so, this applies to all of us. Uh, This is a kind of invitation into goodness for this word... Um, blessed is Ashrei in, in Hebrew, which means happiness. In some cases, it's translated as happiness. We can go back to Leah, who was Jacob's wife. And in her joy of having uh, birthed a son successfully, and, and everybody was fine, she was fine, and the son was fine, she named him Asher. If you remember, Asher was one of the sons of Jacob, and it means happiness. And so here God is saying, um, I have blessing intended. I have goodness and happiness for you. There is a way to walk in God's blessing. And so that grounds us in, in the calling to which this scripture is the beginning to unfold. But that word blessing also should invoke in our minds the context of where this psalm arises. Because we have to understand the psalms arise from the people of Israel who are a covenant people of God. And the word covenant takes us back as it's the backdrop to all that we find both in this psalm and in all of the psalms. So a a, a covenant between God and his people is the foundation for both blessings and curses. If you remember, last year, we made our way through the whole Old Testament, through the Old Bible, actually, and we discovered something. And some of you came to me and said, I didn't know there were curses in the Bible. There are. If you read Deuteronomy 27 and 28, you will discover God promised in that covenant of establishing the nation of Israel as his people, which he said, you are my people. I will be your God. And you remember Israel said, yes, we will do everything that you say. And in our uh, desire to follow the Lord, don't we do that? Sometimes you, you've been in a hard spot and you say, you get me out of this mess and I'm all yours. We, we make those kinds of promises. But God reminded us in his word, okay, you want the blessings. If you th- There are conditions, and so there are also corresponding curses. We have to remember this. This, is, this shapes how we think about this psalm. And so let me go back to Deuteronomy 28, and, and let's look at the blessings that God promises, and also the corresponding curses. So Deuteronomy 28, verses 2 to 6, says this. These are the blessings. These blessings shall come upon... It's an entire chapter of blessings, by the way. I'm just going to read you a little snippet, and then a little snippet of the curses. But read, it's a massive chapter of promised blessings. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I love that word because it means being tackled from behind. If you've ever played tackle football in the, in the sandlot around the corner and somebody tackles you from behind, you didn't see them coming. That's what this word is. It's God's blessings will grab a hold of you when you least expect it. And so they will overtake you if, conditional, if you obey The voice of the Lord your God, blessed will you be in the city and blessed will you be in the field. Blessed shall you be, shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and of the fruit of your cattle, of the increase of your herds, of the young of your flock. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl be. Blessed will you be when you come in and blessed will be, you will be when you go out. You see God's blessings Wonderful and sweet, which we all love and can say probably amen to. And yet, do you know this is conditional if you obey his voice and the curses are also present if we disobey. And so verses uh, 15 to 19 say this, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all of his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all of these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. There again, the converse is true. Cursed will you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall you, shall your basket be and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the increase of your herds and your flocks. Cursed will you be when you come in, and cursed will you be when you go out. So the covenant of God shapes how we think of the blessings that come. Because this tells us you must be in a relationship with God in order to enjoy his blessings. This is not automatic. There's conditions here. God said to his people, will you be my people? And they answered, yes, we will be your people. In other words, I will be your husband if you will love me and me alone. You remember that. God wants to be loved above all. His devo- the devotion that he calls us to is deep and real and abiding. And every time we read verses like this, it, it calls for us to examine our hearts and say, Do you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength? Because that's the relationship, that's where we're going. So the blessings that we're about to talk about come from that kind of relationship. And if not, if you're not in love with him, if you're not seeking him, you're not in a covenant relationship, then the curses apply. And you'll remember, folks, we live in a world that is cursed. We live in a world where Adam and Eve did not obey the voice of the Lord, and what happened was a curse came upon all of humanity, and we struggle under that to this very day, right? Everything from the breaking down of of this entire world to bodies as we age, right? We, We suffer under the curse of broken relationships, broken friendships, anxiety, all sorts of things. All of that comes to us because of this world being under a curse. The only way to escape the curse of sin is to follow the Lord with all of your heart and to love him above all. And so that's what this psalm is about, a way that the Lord blesses and also a way that is cursed. So let's go back and read Psalm 1 one more time. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the seat of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And you'll notice the progression there from walking to standing, which is more firm, to sitting, which is fixed. There's this progression of of continuing in evil. Things just get worse and worse. And so blessed is a man who does not. So we start with some negative things. The the person who, who is blessed by the Lord doesn't do some things. Namely, we do not seek counsel from the wicked. The simple question here is from whom do you get your advice? When you are in need, to whom do you go to help you figure out what to do? That's the question here. And the blessing is don't go to someone who's wicked. Don't get... We make thousands of daily decisions, right? Every one of us. We're making all kinds of decisions all day long. Whose advice are you listening to? Whose input into your life shapes what you do and how you make your decisions? That's the the question here. And don't let it... it says this, the blessed person does not walk, make daily decisions based upon the counsel of wicked people. And then secondly... Neither does he stand, okay, a little more firm. We've stopped making daily decisions. Now we're standing, standing in the way of sinners or the lifestyle of sinners. Don't get a fixed position of of your fundamental principles in life in uh, being informed by sinners. So people who consistently deviate from God's will, don't get your... Fundamental principles of operating in your life from those people that a, a blessed person won't do that, and then third we see nor sits in the seat of scoffers, right? Scoffing is um, a mockery that comes from a position of haughtiness or arrogance. So it, it's, it's scornful disdain towards people who are lower than you. And I, I'll date myself here. I grew up watching the Muppets. I don't know if anybody watched the Muppets. Some of you did. It, do you remember Statler and Waldorf, the two old Muppets up in the balcony? Classic examples of sitting in the seat of Scoffer. If you've never seen the Muppets, you just need to watch it just for the sake of watching these old guys. Because they're absolutely hilarious and and all they're doing is pouring scorn on people. Everybody's failing. They're all not doing anything. Everybody doesn't live up to their standards and so they're high and above everyone, literally. And yet they're pouring out scorn. That's That's a scoffer. What the Bible's talking about here, when you sit in the seat of a scoffer, you have now joined their team. This is a settled sitting down of I'm with the mockers. I am with those who mock the Bible. I am with those who scorn God's word. I am with those who disdain to to, to pour your life into understanding whether or not God's word is true. It is a settled position of arrogance over and above the word of God. And and the, the blessed person will not join people who persist in that kind of way. So this is, this is the blessing of God. It's, it's people who don't do those things. You don't walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the, the lifestyle of sinners or sit with, your, with the mockers and the scoffers. That's the person what we don't do. Now, what does a person who is blessed do? That's verse two. Look at verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord law of the, of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So those two key words here are delight and meditating. Delight. When you think of delighting in something, I don't know that you can really think about that word without smiling. If you delight in your husband or your wife, you look at him or her and Yes, she's wonderful, or he's wonderful. Delight connotes a sense of joy and goodness and intense love and overwhelming gratitude. So you delighting in someone. And the question here is, this person who is blessed delights in the law of the Lord. And the word law here, don't just think 10 commandments. It's much, much more than that. Law here is the Torah, it is, it is all of the instruction of the Lord. It's his word, you might say. So this person who God blesses not only does not do some things, but what he or she does do is delight in the word of the Lord. And also we discover from David, he helps us understand something. To delight in the word of the Lord is to delight in the Lord himself. And to despise the word of the Lord is to despise the Lord himself. We discovered when David sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan came to him. You remember David sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery. He maybe have raped her even uh, and then tried to cover up her pregnancy by murdering her husband. And Nathan came to him and had a conversation with him. And he said, this is what the Lord says to you. And I'll read 2 Samuel chapter 12, two verses, nine and 10, which says, this is God speaking. Why have you despised the word of the Lord? Okay, there it is. You've despised the word of the Lord. And now look what the Lord does. To do what is evil in his sight. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. Because what? Because you have despised who? Me. Me. God says, to despise my word is the same as despising me. So if you ignore the word of the Lord, like David did in this instance, you're ignoring the Lord. To uh, uh, disobey God's word is to disobey God. And so the converse is true. To obey him is to delight in him. To keep his word ever before you is to rejoice in him in in such a way as to please him. And so he blesses this kind of delighting in his word. I can't help but ask you, do you delight in the word of God? Do you delight in his word? And I know some of you are thinking, no, it gives me a headache. I I don't understand it. It's, It's difficult. And I'll say, I know it is. But if you persist and you seek him, he will give you understanding. Did, did, did anybody, if you're married, raise your hand. Did you understand your spouse immediately when you got married? Anybody? Did it take some discovering? And, and, and was that not a joyful journey? Right? Some of you are about to get married and you have no idea. You think, oh, we got this. This is all good. No, it's not. You're going to have a whole hard year at least and a couple more. So get lots of good advice. But it's worth the discovery, right? It's the same way with the Lord. Reading his word is hard, I know. But pressing through and maintaining a hunger and a thirst for the Lord, the Bible says, if you seek, this is what God says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. So don't give up. Delight in the Lord with all of your heart. Pursue him. And how do you do that? By meditating on the word of God day and night. By meditating on the word of God day and night. And the word meditation here is not you getting in an empty room and thinking about nothing. It is a active pursuit of God's word. The word meditating actually means to mutter. Or in some instances, it's like a, a dove that coos, you know, that little, it's that, it's that muttering under your breath. And I think it comes from this notion of when you're meditating on God's word, you're saying it over and over and over again to yourself. That, that's how you memorize something. When you have a problem and you're trying to figure it out, you turn it over in your head again and again, right? And sometimes you discover you're trying to talk it out. Right? You're, you're saying this, to you. I don't know why this is like this, but if this does that, and th- you, you talk, that's what we do with God's word. You say it again and again. So this is what meditation means. It's don't, don't think absent-minded nothing, clearing your head of everything. Think filling your mind with God's word, turning it over again and again in your head, striving to understand it. That's the meditating that we're talking about. So not only delighting in God's word, because how, how do you show that you delight in God's word? You keep it in your mind. So, give you a little example. I think everybody in this room needs to, to memorize Psalm 1. And you can do it because I did it. And the other night, about 2.30 in the morning, I woke up. And I, wide awake, sometimes happens, I, I, I lay there for about 30 minutes, 15 or so, and, and what I did was like, I'm just going to start saying Psalm 1 to myself. So I'm, I'm trying to, I preach to myself, by the way. When I'm, I'm, we're, we're going through God's word, you have to preach to yourself. So blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, nor stand in the seat, or into the, uh, stand in the what? Way of sinners? And then, or sit in the seat of, it's okay if you get it wrong every now and then, you got the idea. Sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, even at 2.30 in the morning. And why? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and his leaf never turns, never withers, it's always green, and and all he does, he prospers, but the wicked are not so. The wicked are like a chaff that the wind just drives away. So, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Right? Turn over God's word again and again in your mind, because how else is God's word going to shape you in the thousands of daily decisions you're making? If you don't have it in your head, if you don't have God's word accessible, when you're trying to figure out what to do at work and you have an ethical question and you're, you're wondering, what, how, do I, how do I respond here, Lord? What do you want me to do in this situation? There's no Bible verse that tells me how to do this, X, Y, or Z. How do you respond to this? You've got to have God's word in your brain. And so memorize and cherish God's word. And and the psalmist, whoever it is, we're not told who wrote Psalm 1, whoever it is, didn't just make this up out of nothing. This comes from Joshua chapter 1. So if you want to jump with me to Joshua chapter 1, or you can just look on the screen, we're going to read first half of verse 8. The Lord said this to Joshua just before he's about to go into the promised land. This book of the law, says the Lord to Joshua, shall not depart from your mouth. Notice that. Shall not depart from your mouth. That's that muttering. You're going to say this to yourself again and again and again and again. Shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. You see that? Talk to yourself. Tell God's word yourself. Meditate on it when? Day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do all that is according to it. So that's meditating on God's word. This is what God said to Joshua. This is what I want you to do, Joshua. You're in a place of leadership. And so you've got to have God's word in your mind. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but in, uh, when God gave instructions for how the people of Israel were to set up their king, do you know the first order of business every king of Israel was supposed to do when he sat on his throne? Do you know what he's supposed to do? Write a copy of the law, his own copy that was approved by the Levitical priests. Every king was supposed to write down exactly what God's word is, make his own copy so that he knows what God's word is. Why? Because when God's word is in your soul, your life will be solid. Next verse, like a tree. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In everything he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. They are like chaff blown away. Trees are stable. Chaff is not. A tree, it it provides shade for those who come near it. Chaff does not. It's a little tiny nothing, right? A, A tree bears fruit. Chaff does not. A tree is green and rich and useful. Chaff is not. It it, it goes away with every wind of cultural doctrine, every new doctrine that every culture will will bring up, just flies away. Go along with the wind. Trees don't move. They they remain stable. And so the psalmist is telling us, you want to be grounded in your life? Do you want to stay stable? Then you need to have the roots of your life down deep into God's word. Because there's no other way. I had dinner with someone this past week who was struggling um, with faith and, and trying to figure out, is, is all of this true? And, and I said to him, are you reading your Bible? Um, no, not, not as often as I should be. And, and my answer was, you need, you need to get into it. You need to get into God's word on a consistent basis. I don't know anything else in my life that has helped me more than having a consistent Bible reading plan. Even the the words you don't understand, read them. Even the the parts that are difficult. And don't skip over the genealogies, right? They're helpful too. There's a reason they're there. All of God's word is useful for building up and for teaching, and for correction, and reproof. All of God's word is helpful. You have to get into God's word. Because you will learn where the truth is and where falsehood is. Because this, the the verse, um, it's at the end of verse 3. All that he does prospers, right? If, If you you can pluck that verse out and say, it is God's will for you to prosper. And if you don't have a context for understanding God's word, you can misunderstand what's being taught and have it misapplied. Because some people can say, see, right there, it says, in everything he does, he prospers. So God wants you to prosper. And here's what prosperity means. It means having a million dollars in a bank and a Maserati in a garage and a a jet in the hangar and a mansion in the woods. That's not the kind of prospering that the Bible is talking about. How do I know? Because of the context of where this quote came from. Go back with me to Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read the rest of chapter, of, of verse 8. Joshua one8 I'll just read what I read a moment ago. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but it shall uh, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is according, uh, that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Well, what are the conditions of when you're going to be prosperous and when you're going to have good success? To whom did God say this? He said it to Joshua. Do you know what Joshua did for the next decade after God said this? He was in a war. Is that your idea of prosperity? God told Joshua, I want you to follow me. And and if you do, if you meditate on my word and you keep it, you will be prosperous and successful. And you will do what prosperity means. You will do everything that I intend for you to do. And you will have all the resources you need to accomplish what I have called you to do. That's different for all, all of us. Don't let anybody twist you and, and, and distort the thinking in your thinking and saying, "God wants you to be prosperous and healthy, wealthy and wise. never encounter any difficulties, never fight a battle. Christianity is not lazily laying beside the pool eating grapes and drinking pina coladas all day. We are called to engage God's kingdom in this world and to fight for righteousness sake. And, and to advance his kingdom and help people be grounded in the truth of scripture. And so here's, here's God saying to Joshua, if you meditate on my word and you, you will turn it over in your head so that you can do everything that's written here and you'll have great success. I will bless you and I will be with you. And he was. God was, was with Joshua. Joshua did well. He had difficulty through every day of his life almost for the next decade. And so yet we moved on. So here, here don't be deceived. So this is what, what we see. This, this person whom God blesses like a tree, firmly fixed, close to a water source, being fruitful, prospering in the way that God intends us to prosper and do what he calls us to do. But the wicked are not like that. They're like chaff, just blows away by the wind. Nothing stable, nothing firm in life. And the wicked also never say what Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, the wicked will persistently say to God, not your will, but mine be done. I want to do what I want to do. And so I'm off to do it. That's not a way that will prosper. So the last two verses, verses five and six. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The wicked who were standing in their way of sinning in the beginning, will not stand in the day of judgment. So the psalmist takes our mind to that day uh, when all of us, every human being, every human soul, will be judged, that final day of judgment. What will keep you faithful on that day? So the psalmist does not let us come to this message and say, ah, go away, you know, you'll be good, just go be obedient, and don't think about the future. He says, I want you to think about the judgment day. You have to. I want you to think about that day when you will stand before the Lord and give an account of your life. What will keep you standing in that day? And it's righteousness, it's not sinning. So the, the only way to survive the day of judgment is to embrace the Lord in being righteous today. That will carry you. This way of righteousness must be embraced in our lives. Otherwise, we will be removed from the congregation of the people of the Lord. We won't stand in there. We won't be allowed in that congregation. And so sinners will be removed forever. Why? Because they did not know the way of the righteous. And this word, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, don't hear that as, well, God knows everything. He has right and correct factual knowledge. That's not this word. This word, no, is the same word that is used of Adam when he knew his wife and she conceived and bore a son. God's knowledge of the way of the righteous is not merely factual and informational. It is intimately relational. So people, if you want to walk in a way that the Lord blesses and you walk in in a way that he... he, uh, governs and oversees. That's what we're saying here. God knows your life. He knows every difficulty. He knows every challenge. He is intimately acquainted with all of your ways, as Psalm 139 says. And he governs your life and walks you through them. He goes with us through dark valleys and bright mornings. Do you want him with you? Do you want to walk with him in that way? That's what this psalm is saying. And so what have we seen? We've seen a way of the righteous and a way of the wicked. We have seen this is about covenant people. The way of the righteous are members of the covenant. The way of the wicked are not members of the covenant. The way of the righteous is blessed. The way of the wicked is cursed. The way of the righteous is to delight in the Lord. The wicked despise him and ignore his word. The the righteous meditate on God's law day and night on his word. The wicked ignore God's word day and night. The righteous are like a tree. The wicked are like a chaff that is blown in the wind. Righteous are strong and enduring. The wicked temporal and blown away. Uh, The righteous are deeply rooted and connected to source of life wicked are not, the righteous bear fruit, the wicked do not, the righteous don't wither, the wicked does quickly, the righteous will stand in the day of judgment, and the wicked will not. The righteous will be present in the congregation of God's people, but the wicked will be absent. The way of the righteous is a way that the Lord will prosper, and the way of the wicked is one that will perish. And so, in conclusion, I, wanna, I want you to think about three words. Covenant. Are you a member of God's covenant community? Because the blessings that we're talking about here only come to those who are a part of the covenant kingdom of the Lord. If you're not, then the question is, well, how do I, how do I become part of the, God's kingdom? And Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, says to his disciples, This cup that I hold before you is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. The way to get into the covenant kingdom of the Lord is by putting your faith in what Jesus has accomplished, both in his righteous life, his atoning death, and his victorious resurrection. Putting all confidence in him and asking him, Will you save me? Will you forgive me? Will you, will you give me your spirit? And, and his answer will be yes. You come to me, I will never cast you out, is what Jesus says. If you come in faith to the Lord Jesus, he will never cast you out. So are you a part of the covenant kingdom, is the first question. Second, this is for those of you who are believers. Are you delighting in the Lord can you truly say you are delighting in the Lord? Do you love him above all else? Is Jesus Christ the delight of your life? I can't answer that question for you. Only you can. If you have five minutes, you knew you, 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 you could be with anybody on the planet, any human being. Who would you want to be with? Who, who would you rather be with? Where would you, would you want to be with Jesus? Is he the delight of your life? And then lastly, how are you at meditating on God's word? The the person whom God blesses meditates on God's words day and night. I'm not telling you that to heap guilt on you. I am telling you that to invite you into a place of blessing. Because the Lord says, if you obey my words, I will bless you. I will take care of you. And we tend to think I know what's best for me. I, I'm gonna, I don't, not going to pay attention to the word of the Lord. And I want to invite you, every one of you, to consider if there is some area of your life that you are knowingly disobeying the Lord, you won't be blessed in it. If you're a child of Christ and you're intentionally disobeying God's word, it won't bring blessing. And you know what it will bring. And so what is the solution? It's to repent and ask forgiveness. And we serve a Jesus who says, I will forgive you. Seventy times in a day I will forgive you. Why would we abuse such incredible grace to someone who tells the story of, you come to me, ask for forgiveness, I will forgive you. So if we believe this is true, then let us quickly repent. Let us turn away from any act of knowing disobedience and humble ourselves before the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I know you have created every one of us to seek blessing. We are all wired to do what we think will bring us the greatest good. And yet we fumble about and pursue that goal in the wrong way. And so, Lord, I I ask you, for those who are unsure of whether or not they're in the covenant kingdom, they're unsure of their relationship to you, would you let today be a day of settling with you? Lord, Jesus, don't let anyone walk away today confused about where they stand with you? Would you grant faith and the simple invitation of the Lord Jesus? You come to me and I will never cast you out. Your word tells us to those who received Christ, who believed in his name, you gave the right to become children of God. Lord, let those who don't yet know you believe in you wholeheartedly and receive you by believing in you right now. And, and I invite you, if you're not a Christian, pray to the Lord right now. And say, Lord, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. And for those of you who, who are walking with the Lord and you know him, I just invite you to, to consider is there anything from which you need to repent? Lord Jesus, you, you tell us if we turn away from evil and cling to you, our hearts will find their home. So Lord, give us the gift of repentance right now. And I just want to invite you, if you, something comes to mind, then just in your heart between you and the Lord, just confess it. Turn away from sin and open up your arms, as it were, by faith and cling to the Lord Jesus. And Jesus, you are great. You are so great, you have accomplished salvation for us, and you grant daily forgiveness to us. May we love you with all of our heart. Cause us, Lord Jesus, every soul in this room, to delight in you and turn our eyes away from futile, fruitless, chaff-like temporal things and let us cling to you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.